Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. I was banging with a gang of instrumentals. Got the pins and pencils. Got down to business. But sometimes the business end of this shit can turn your friends against. Short Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to the most extreme menage a trois violence you'll ever experience on the Extreme Through a Dance Podcast. I am JT. Joining me as always on this journey through Extreme are Jenny and Matt. How are you guys doing? Gen WO back to terrorize another episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, extremely grateful uh, to be here, as per usual, e- even with the Gen WO looming overhead. Running amok, I tell you. Always running amok. In uh, here on this podcast, we're running amok toward Barely Legal, the first ever ECW pay per view coming up very quickly. On this series, we are going through the history of Extreme Championship Wrestling. We started way back when it was Eastern Championship Wrestling, actually, in February of 1994. And here we are in February 1997. So we've come a long way. And uh, we are really kind of reaching the first peak of, I would say, in a way, it's like the peak of the original ECW, right? That first pay-per-view. And then from there, they kind of become a different type of company. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll we'll see how that plays out. But for right now, this feels like this is what we've been building toward all this time uh to this point here we are before we do that though we do have a few weeks of tv to get through and uh as part of that we have a very special topic to cover here to kick off the show because on february 24th 1997 from the manhattan center in new york city the stars of ecw appeared on monday night raw uh this was teased the week before which was the night after in your house final four when and Paul Heyman called in on, uh, they gave him a little bit of airtime to plug Barely Legal, a pay-per-view coming up. Him and the King got into an argument, and King basically dared him to show up and prove why ECW is so good. And he says, I'll be there, blah, blah, blah. So they argue on the phone, and it was made official that they would be here in New York City. And, of course, the whole reason uh, to do this was twofold. One was for uh, a bone toward ECW to plug Barely Legal. And the other was because a lot of the WF stars were overseas on a foreign tour. So they were a little bit light on roster for that night. So they decided to, uh, to do this to help fill the time. Now, Raw had just gone to two hours recently within a few weeks leading up to this. So they wanted to um, – they had time to fill suddenly that they hadn't been used to filling. They had a very thinned-out roster, and they 
you know, according to legend, we're funding some of ECW at this point anyway. So mm-hmm. why not try and help Paul cash in on that investment with the pay-per-view on Barely Legal? So give him some screen time, liven up Raw a little bit, help pop a rating with a bunch of the stars away. Uh, the rest of the show is infamous as well. There was a return to Legion of Doom. It was a surprise return to the WWF. They show up on this episode, too. So kind of had a lot going on. We're back in the Manhattan Center where Raw was born and lived for the first what, five months or so of its life in, in uh, 1993. So this is a special return to that arena for the first time since 93. They had not been there. So that was a cool look, and it was a cool place to do something like this in the Northeast in a tiny venue. If you're going to have ECW invade, like this is the spot to do it, not some milk toast arena in the middle of nowhere. So uh, this is definitely the way to go about it. I thought it was a, sh- a smart, a shrewd idea by both sides to take advantage of this opportunity. Of course, for ECW, it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, it's free publicity, nationwide publicity for the pay-per-view. Pay-per-view is going to be offered nationally. Uh, They currently don't have national distribution for TV. They're very much the regional promotion that relied on the internet and on magazines. Uh, So why not take this opportunity? Maybe, you know, if a a thousand people watch Raw and see this and like it and order the pay-per-view, like, that's a big win, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because they may be super intrigued by something they've never seen before. So there's a lot of pressure as well to deliver and make these segments count Mm -hmm. with the limited time that they're given here on Raw. As part of this also, we'll see, starts off the long-running gimmick of uh, the King being anti-ECW. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think there's a lot of reality in his in his beliefs. I don't mm-hmm. think it was fully angle, right? I think he believed a lot of what he says. Yep. And that'll actually carry on throughout 1997 across multiple platforms, as we'll see. So there is something that comes out of this long-term beyond just using this mutual admiration night. But Jenny, when you first put this on or when you saw this on the, uh-huh. on the list, like what were you expecting it to be? I expected there to be a lot of Paul Heyman talking, which is good. And um, I didn't know what the structure was going to be. Were they going to be like, hey, look at this. This is ECW. We found these cool guys, you know. (laughs) Or would it be more of an, I hate to use this word, but like an invasion type. Would it be like guys attacking, you know, guys on the other roster or whatever. So I... It's ECW, dude. I, I had no idea. I didn't know what Vince would let them do. Also, uh, I didn't know how hardcore they could go. So I figured it would probably be the top guys and pretty short, but getting their point across matches. How about you, Matt, at the time? Do you recall watching this? Uh, I, I don't think I watched it at the time. If I I did, I mean, I was pretty young at this point, so I I don't remember watching it. Mm -hmm. And like, so I didn't know, really know what ECW was until like a year or two after this. So even if I was watching it at the time, there's a good chance I would have had no idea who any of these people were. Had you seen it before watching it for this podcast? Uh, this episode, yes, I have. I had seen it once or twice before, but like uh, at the time, like had I seen this, like I would have been kind of weirded out. Like, who are who are these guys? I've never seen them before, you know. But obviously, looking at it now, we, we know who all these guys are, and like you said, it makes sense with all the guys being overseas. It makes sense to bring ECW in to do this, because I mean, unless you're having Savio Vega. Around- wrestle 30 minutes which is a thing nobody wants like it makes sense to fill mm-hmm. up the rest of the show with guys with ecw so 
Yeah, I definitely watch this live. I have it on tape still from when I was saving all the Raws in that era. So I've seen this a hundred times. I mean, I've watched those Raws a bunch of times, and I've seen this one in particular a lot. And I knew enough about ECW to be dangerous. They had obviously popped up a little bit, like in mind games and stuff. I was reading still all the magazines. I was on the internet. So I knew of them, but I hadn't really seen any matches between them. Um so it was definitely something I rewatched a bunch. I was super excited about getting to see. I thought it added a ton of excitement. And uh, Raw on its own actually was already starting to get a little bit more exciting. As as you've hear, heard on Russell Warzone, which is every other Thursday here, Chad Campbell and I going through the history of Monday Night Wars, we're in late 96. I mean, Raw was still pretty antiseptic, pretty milquetoast all during mm-hmm. that time period. They started to bring up the edginess toward the end of 96. And then in 97, they really start to overhaul the feel, the look. They go to the two hours. They're doing some different stuff. The classic Raw Titan Tron set will debut pretty much right after this episode. I think it's a couple weeks after. So they were definitely starting to step things up and become more lively. And this was a big part of it. This is like run of like three or four Raws during the transition that are super memorable. And this is one of them. So this was definitely a big deal live at the time. Uh, Not enough to get me to order the pay-per-view. I don't think I was to that point yet, at least being able to ask. I didn't know how extreme it was if my parents would be okay with me ordering it. Um, you know, spending additional money. I was going to be ordering WrestleMania coming up. So I knew, like, probably adding another pay-per-view in, even if it was only 20 or 25 bucks, whatever it was, was probably going to be a no. And even then, I don't know if it was even offered, because it was only on, like, certain carriers at that point. So, But uh, I did put them on my radar way more than they had been before. So let's go to this uh, February 24th, 1997 edition of Monday Raw. We're only going to cover the ECW stuff. We're not going to cover the whole episode. We don't need Undertaker versus uh, Farouk or the main event. Unless, <laughs> Thank uh, God. Talk, talk about that, but we'll get Damn through, it, I'll watch we'll get through the bulk episode, of it. <laughs> Did you? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> it's, it's on you. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch this soon enough for Reward Zone, so I thought it was okay to stick up with ECW parts. <laughs> All right, so we get the opening match, and we see a lot of ECW fans in the crowd that were in BWO shirts. King says, tonight, ECW will appear on Raw to see if they can put their money where their mouth is after Paul Heyman called in last week and had an argument with the King. We come back for the first break, and Vince says we have a partisan crowd as the Eliminators storm the ring. And the first thought, Jenny, like to me was, I was curious how this resonated with you, was it like, like seeing these guys in color for the first time for you? Yes, like, it, yeah. was like, it was like Wizard of Oz, like... <laughs> The colored shit. Uh, it tripped me out. Not gonna lie, it was very weird. Like used to seeing this grainy, beat up footage, yeah. and all of a sudden here they are in crisp, clear color on he USA was television. Attracted to Perry Saturn in color. Well, they all look. You could tell they all broke out like whatever best gear they had possible, mm-hmm. and like oh, they yeah. all look good, you know. Yep. Um, so they storm the ring, they crush a ring crew member with total elimination, which I'm sure was a, a job or whatever. Uh, Paul Lee comes in behind him and says, your challenge has been accepted. ECW is in the house. The crowd chants ECW as Paul soaks it in. And Vince <laughs> says, the King's answer has been challenged, which is backwards. backwards. Vince was a fucking mess. Yeah, you could tell he was like just trying to figure out what the hell is going on around him during this whole thing. <laughs> no clue. And you knew he was super nervous too that like yeah. you know, USA deal was a big one for them at this point. Like he was probably petrified that ECW guys were going to say or do something that was going to put him in violation. This was like a, a pretty risky proposition from him, trusting Paul not to go rogue uh, on national TV. So... I don't think I've ever heard Vince sound like the way he sounds. <laughs> well, probably over the last few months. Yeah. Maybe. Well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there is that. that. But, wow. 
All right, so that brings us to our first ECW match of the night, and that is Big Stevie Cool, Stevie Richards, taking on Little Guido, which means it is time for our Italian Lesson of the Week. Tonight's word is, or phrase, as I usually screw that one up, Mangia Merde e Morte. Mangia Merde di Morte. E Morte. E Morte. Mangia Merde e Morte. Any guesses? Mangia is a pretty well known Italian word. Uh, something about Mortis from WCW would be my guess. Jenny, you know what Mangia means? No. All right. Well, manja means eat. It's a, okay. big, it's a big one. Manja. Manja mete e morte means eat shit and die. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> wow. Morte, of course. Well, then. Death. Death. <laughs> I feel like you guys could have figured this one out if you put a little effort in. Hey, we not. Well, 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 we'll just go fuck ourselves then. <laughs> no, you should go no, eat shit and no. die. That's what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> Guess I'll go where you shouldn't die. <laughs> Manja mede morte. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Thank you. That's what Paul wanted Jerry Lawler to do on the site. Was Manja yeah. mede morte yeah. for sure. All right, so back to the ring we go. Uh, we have Paul doing the ring announcing, which is cool because he's really selling it and putting things over. It's a good spotlight for little Guido. King shits on him, of course. Paul says, hit the music. And Vince promises to be different as the BWO careens through the crowd. King says, this is a freak show. The BWO does their full entrance. Paul gets on commentary. He's like a proud dad explaining what the Blue World Order is. Uh, Stevie gets on the mic. He says, Jerry Lawler, on behalf of ECW and the BWO, we have three words for you. We're taking over. Meaty does his fat man shtick as Vince chuckles, of course. Uh, this really shows the faith they have in the Blue World Order, and Stevie mm-hmm. is a top guy. Like, to roll this out is their first nationwide exposure to this crowd. They're putting the BWO out there. Of course, it's topical with the NWO, but it could come off as cheap. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a risk. Uh, but they do a good job uh, as they come out. Guido attacks, and Vince calls it straight as Paul, and he asks Paul to explain the BWO. Him and uh, Paul kind of get along here. They feel a little uneasy, but you could tell that they're a little bit of respect between them. King is the true heel in all this. Mm-hmm. Stevie chops away as Meanie gets involved. King says BWO is just another ECW ripoff, and Paul, <laughs> Paul's awesome. And what are they ripping off? He dares him to say it. <laughs> uh, Vince says this isn't the clothing line of the NWO, which is another funny dig. <laughs> and I'll say for years... I thought he really was referencing a clothing line, um, like that there was something called New World Order, a clothing line out there. But, of course, he just means the end of New World Order of WCW, who are more interested in pushing T-shirts at this point, I guess, is what he's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Raven appears in the aisle as Paul explains us to, uh, who he is. Guido gets a flurry and knocks Stevie outside. Vince calls him Stevie Ray. Paul uh, says Vince impresses him as the announcer. If a WF doesn't work out, he has a job at ECW at any time. King says he saw ECW recently and they needed an announcer. Guido works through some offense as we get a Goldust inset promo. It's all Guido is a crowd's chant for Stevie and the BWO. Paul puts over Goldust because of Marlena. We hear from Goldust again an inset. Guido grinds a chin lock. Stevie mounts, mounts a comeback. It's a powerbomb and finishes with a Stevie kick as Vince plugs La Femme de Kida. King wants to see something extreme, and I would agree. I, I thought they started pretty basic here. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was the greatest sampling of ECW's top stuff, but it still felt like a big deal. 
Vince again says the crowd is partisan, and Paul says partisan in shock uh, as they are just rabid ECW uh, through and through here. So I went two stars. Uh, you know, I get trying to show off the BWO because they've come so far. I think I would have went with a different match and just had the BWO interfere in it and, like, just wipe everyone out and do their thing that way versus Stevie working a match, which we know is not his strength in all this. Um I know they don't want to come out of the gate with the super violent stuff. I think they were saving that for the end, or at least, you know, as violent as they, they were going to be allowed to get, they weren't going to be allowed to go full out here. We weren't going to get the gangsters coming into natural born killers or anything. So uh, I just think we could have done a little bit better. Like, I think if you're watching this, you're thinking, all right, it seems cool, but it's not that much better than what I get on raw. It's just like a basic match. So we'll see if they pick it up. But uh, Matt, what'd you think of the first uh, segment here? Yeah, I feel like, and we'll we'll go through each of them, obviously, but I feel like every match, like, they tried to highlight, like, a different part of what ECW was all about. Yes. So, like, to me, this was like, oh, this is about the characters we have with the BWO and Raven and guys like that. And it, it didn't make for the most exciting match. I, I went two stars on it. Mm-hmm. Like, a very toned down version of an ECW match, which makes sense given it was on TV. You're not going to see fucking barbed wire and fire or anything like that. But I mean, for what it was, it was a TV match. I thought it was fine. Uh, The crowd ate it up. So, I mean, for that aspect, it worked. And uh, so, yeah, it was fairly basic, but it was decent enough. And uh, the only other thing I'll say is that at one point, Vince McMahon called Stevie Richards, Stevie Ray. Uh, Whoops. Whoopsie daisy. (laughs) Wrong Stevie, Vince, but uh, yeah, uh, two stars for this. So, um, I went two as well. I will say I was infuriated by the inset promos um, during the match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it just, it's, it's like, look, you're doing this thing, you're doing this ECW. It's not exactly like showcasing it. It's more like a. Like, hey, we got this stuff over here. Um, it's a gift. I mean, they're, yeah, they're giving them a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but, <laughs> I don't know. It feels cheapened with the with the promos, just just blatantly over the match. Um, I know, but I also see the point of like, I mean, it's this still their show. Like, I think he's trying to make you know, it's a little bit of a a nudge, but it's also like I'm sure they're anticipating the viewers. If you think about where they were at this point, right? They're getting killed by Nitro on the ratings. Mm-hmm. So you got to think, if there's ever a time people may be flipping over from Nitro to Raw, it's these segments. So lo- let's try to, like, sell what's going on on the rest of the show to try and keep people there. Like, I think that was part of Vince's attempt at this, too, is, like, pop a rating and get some eyes over from WCW because they're getting killed. Mm. I mean, I get it. I just don't like it. Because... It leads to my other point about this match is that I have extreme mixed feelings about this whole deal because I I feel proud of them that they're, you know, kind of getting bigger, well-known, and more eyes on their product and all that whatnot. And that's fine, but also I am sad. I I want them to be gritty and and fucking hardcore. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to water down what they do for these fucking suits and fucking Vince McMahon. I don't know. I just don't want them. I want more Polly than I want this. I want more fucking ECW arena and blood and guts and grainy videos. So right. I just. It's a tough spot because it's, it's like. It is. They, they mm-hmm. need to. 
you know, yes, you want them to be them, right? Because they have to sell this show and they're trying to sell themselves as an alternative. But they're also going to be limited. Like they're not going to be able to go out there on USA and have a blood and guts match and all this other stuff. So they're kind of stuck. Right. So I think they Mm -hmm. their work, their job is to show that they have a different type of act and trust that whatever Paul is doing and saying is going to get them over. Right. Like he's the linchpin to this whole night. He's the voice you're hearing. You need to put your faith in what he's trying to sell you. Because what you're seeing is going to be not even touching, like, what you're going to get, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they do that really well. I think everybody does that well. And that I am, and I feel like they're like high school kids going to college, you know, something like that. Right. Where some sort of evolution. Um, and I'm proud of it. It's just, it it does hurt my heart and takes away a little bit. But I get it. Like it's just it's a trade off, but I don't like it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to segment two with ECW. We'll come back for commercial or later in the show now. Paul's back and he says, "Boy, the show has sucked without ECW." <laughs> and we get our intros for our next match, which should up the ante a bit. It's another good choice to showcase, of course. Taz, who's heading to a Billy Legal for pay per views, been their top ace, taking on Mikey Whipwreck, who we haven't seen in a while. <laughs> And I'll be honest with you, I I think maybe like he may have still been hurt, but I think they trusted him so much. Um, if and I think that's why they use Guido too, right? I think their goal is yeah. to trust get guys yep. that they could trust to, to not fuck up, um, that can sell and and put on a show. So I think they I think this is partial reward for Mikey, partial trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether he's healthy, whether he's not, I think it was just like okay, we need you out there, uh, to go do this to help get Taz over in front of this audience, and they knew Mikey could do it. So Taz gets the full team Taz entrance. He feels like a monster, of course, not as domineering given the presentation in the arena, but uh, still feels like a big deal. <laughs> he grinds Mikey's arm as King shits on ECW. Paul's plugging the pay-per-view and he dares King to get in the ring and face Taz. King makes some short jokes about Taz and Paul goes on a King's true height. It says, yeah, your height, you were on top of a territory for 76 years. <laughs> King wants to see the fans getting set on fire using barbed wire bat like usual. Paul says we're saving that for pay-per-view. Taz gets two on a nice northern light suplex. Paul apologizes for stepping over Vince and then immediately cuts him off again to call a rare salt or Tazplex. We get an inset from the Nation of Domination as Mikey makes his comeback. Taz beats him right back down and snaps him hard with an Alabama slam. The crowd looks to the entranceway. We cut to see Sabu standing on top of the raw letters in the entrance. He dives off him and plows into Team Taz. Sabu stalks Fonzie and Taz belly to belly's uh, Mikey over the top rope into him, which looked a little sloppy. Paul hard sells Sabu, Taz, and the pay-per-view as Taz finishes with the head and arm Tazplex. Paul says even Ken Shamrock fares that hold. Taz finishes Taz mission with the Taz mission, and we see Green Lantern fan with his ECW shirt on celebrating <laughs> in the crowd. Good match here. I thought Taz was put over as dominant. Mikey was a good choice to feed to him, even though he looked like a bit of a jobber. Again, you knew he could be trusted to do it right. It's been really smart to have Paul on commentary to offset whatever sandbagging King may do and adds more to the wild vibe of the show and help sell things. So, Jenny, this is what I went two and a half on. Uh, I thought this was a little bit closer to what we want to see mm-hmm. than that opening segment, and they did a good job here, even though um, it wasn't much of a match. We're more used to Taz wrecking guys, so this felt a little bit more authentic to, to ECW. This I'm on board with. Um, so happy to see Mikey back. <laughs> Bless his heart, even though he's just gonna take some shit from Taz. <laughs> but um, who does it better than Mikey, though? Uh, I would suggest no one. So and and you know if somebody gets 
even just like kind of interested in Mikey and like I was like, well, this guy do. Oh, he was like all the titles in ECW. <laughs> so, you know, if, if anybody were to get interested in Mikey from <laughs> his jobber role here, they would find a bunch of cool shit that he's done. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, I did two and a half as well. Fucking <laughs> King hating ECW so much. I was not expecting any of that. Um, he really goes hard. Um, mm-hmm. It is not at all annoying in any way. <laughs> and, uh, like, I mean, he's, I get it, and that's what he does, and he's really good at it. Um, so I guess I'll say it that way. But um, Taz just looks like a fucking monster. So, um, and I loved, loved, loved Sabu showing up on the letters and doing a crazy-ass dive mm-hmm. off the top on the Team Taz. That was great. Yeah, so. it was a good use of him, for sure, to get yeah. him out there. You're not going to have a match with him. No. Mm-hmm. And you can't have him touch Taz, because that's how the feud's been built. So exactly. this is a good way to go about it. Perfectly sure. played in every way. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I went two and a half on this. Uh, uh, showcasing the wrestling for ECW, I think, is smart with Taz. I mean, he is the wrestler in ECW at this point, so it makes sense to have him out there. It makes sense to showcase Taz and Sabu. That's the match they're building the entire pay-per-view around at this point, so it makes perfect sense to have that. And, I mean, look, you get a, a, a low-key iconic moment in Raw history with Sabu diving off the, the Raw letters. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a pretty iconic mm-hmm. moment for them, and it came from ECW you so uh good to have that under their belt but yeah i mean this was basically a, a showcase for taz and mikey as we've documented many times on this show uh mikey knows how to take a shit kicking from anybody especially taz so yep. uh yeah he knows how to make taz look good he, he did that here so yeah great showcase for taz two and a half all right so we get our third segment uh and it'll be the final of ecw here tonight as we have Tommy Dreamer taking on Devon Dudley. So another interesting match. Uh, Paul does intros again. Devon's out with Sign Guy Dudley. And I thought Tommy Dreamer was a must showcase. Like, I think it was a, yeah. it was a smart choice again. Mm-hmm. He's the heartbeat of ECW. And uh, another guy you can trust. Beulah's with him in tow. You're obviously building the Dudleys as top acts as well. So no issue here with these two guys. King Sarcastically asks Vince if you've ever heard of Devon Dudley. Paul gives big hype to Tommy as we get into a media slugfest. King says Paul should kiss his feet for giving him the chance to plug his pay-per-view to more people that ever heard of ECW. And Paul says, that's not thanks to you. That's thanks to the cojones of the man sitting next to you, Vince McMahon. Who has no we words to say. Side... No response. <laughs> yes. I like, air. I love Paul. Just like, yeah. I like Paul buttering up Vince or all this. I think it was a nice <laughs> touch. So like, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. It's yeah, great. It's pretty funny. Uh, so we head outside. Tommy grabs weapons from the ECW fans at ringside. He beats on Devon as King shits on it. Vince, Vince says, I hope things don't get too out of hand. But Paul <laughs> wants it all. Tommy suplexes Devon on the floor. Vince says, we have an extreme action between Taker and Farouk tonight. Quite the statement there. Uh, <laughs> we know that's not going to be extreme in the least. Tommy tosses some steps in the ring, but Devon comes back with a chair. <clears throat> King says the ECW is the first thing that ever made him embarrassed to be a wrestler. Paul shouts back at him and dares King to make him shut up. King says ECW is extremely crappy wrestling, and Paul says he's not man enough to be associated with it. Vince tries to calm him down. He's trying to call the match like a pro. Uh, Paul calls King a freaking clown. Tommy comes back and hits a pile driver. King says Paul's just a jock sniffer that likes to be around athletes because he can't be one. Paul says he would sniff King's jock, but he's afraid he'd like it. Devon and Sign Guy <laughs> grab Beulah, but we, we cut the taker inset to dodge that. Beulah kicks Devon low. Tommy finishes with a DDT on the chair. We really don't see it because we still hear from Undertaker. 
Bubba Ray Dudley shows up. They hit Tommy with the 3D, but Sandman comes out and cracks a beer and cleans house with his cane. Just a great use of all the key guys here tonight. Paul goes into hard sell mode as the Dudleys get mauled. Uh, forget about the match. It's just whatever. This is all about Paul and King going at it. It's all about hard selling what ECW is. We get to see all the top stars throughout the show. Uh, ending with Dreamer and Sandman celebrating is a perfect image. Two of the top guys that you uh, see with ECW. Good positioning for the burgeoning Dudleys. who seem like a top act by association. So two and a quarter stars for the match, Matt. We'll get to the final segment in a second, but what did you think of the match? Yeah, I'm right there with you, two and a quarter. It was uh, it was uh, showcasing the violence, albeit in a much lesser form, <laughs> to uh, to what ECW does. I mean, yeah, it was fine. It makes sense to have Dreamer here. Big spot for Devon, <laughs> kind of out of nowhere. So uh, good for him for uh, for getting that one. Uh, the 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 drop kick to the uh, to Devon's face with the stairs was disgusting. That was the spot that felt like the most ECW to me. Like I feel like that's something you would have seen in an actual ECW ring and not just what WWE's uh, sanitized version of ECW was. So I thought that was good. But uh, yeah, I mean a, a showcase match here. So two and a quarter for the match, Jenny. Yeah, I'm. With you guys, I love Paulie on this commentary. I love his whole <laughs> fucking bitter diatribe. I mean, all that <laughs> shit was great. Like, um, and I think that as much as it sucks, like, I think I like King, like, just fussing with Paulie, like, just, <laughs> just them bickering. And I usually don't like King bickering. That's his whole gimmick, like with whoever he's right. with. They always mm-hmm. bicker. And I usually don't like it. But something about them, I don't know. I, I don't I kind of got into it's Polly. That's what it is. It's just him. Um but yeah, I thought it was like like another little step up in the extremeness with the weapons. They did a really good job. Tommy's awesome. Um Devon, why not Bubba Ray? I don't know. It just like did they draw straws? I don't know. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I think that I would have tried. Well, I don't know. I kept thinking about Joey as much as I love Polly. I kept thinking about Joey and wishing that there was a way to incorporate him into this. Um, because he's, you know, he's a big part of it. He's he's our our whole through line. So. I sort of wish that came across in any way, but um, we did get a lot of the Paul, so that works. And I did two and a half. All right. So Paul gives one last plug for Barely Legal. He quietly thanks Vince and says he has more cojones than anyone gives him credit for. King tells him to beat it. So Paul stands, fakes walking away, and then charges back into Vince, who gets in the middle of him diving at the King. All the ECW wrestlers pour out. King gets on the announce table. He tries to dive in as we get cut out. After a break, Vince gives King shit for instigating, but King says that you should invite them back, and he'll stick his fist down Paul's throat and <laughs> wraps us up. So super exciting stuff. A very unique, special, mm-hmm. huge night for ECW to get this kind of level of showcase. All the top dogs. Heavy plugging for the pay-per-view. Paulie seemed like a badass going right at the King. And... Uh, you know, I, I think if you're watching this and you have the disposable income you're, and you're likely intrigued enough to probably give it a shot in order and see mm-hmm. what they got to deliver. But um, because I would think you would watch this and you feel like, oh, wow, this injected a huge jolt of lightning into this this night of wrestling. That's usually kind of boring. So, um, you know, I think there's a world where could they have gone NWO with ECW and WF and, and done like an invasion and, and made it work? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. problem is. 
there was no way that Vince was going to let ECW go over his guys. Right. And it would be super counterproductive for, for ECW to show up here and get jobbed over yeah. by the WF and look small potatoes. Like what you're not, you're building okay in your own. Like you're really going to gain that much by being, you know, Dodeo's bitch. So I get why it's as limited as it is. Like we're not done. We do see a little bit more down the line, mm. but for all intents and purposes, this is really like the big outing for them. So mm. any final thoughts, Jenny, on that last segment? Um, I really liked uh, Polly just finally losing it and having to attack yeah. King. That was brilliant. And um, <laughs> Polly's just not really good at the the physical side of it. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was still into it. Yeah, I mean the matches pretty much ended up being secondary to the Lawler uh, Heyman stuff, just mm. because of how entertaining it was. And I mean Heyman finally losing it and diving over the announce table was great. So uh, yeah, good good night for ECW, huge night for ECW. So uh, good on them for convincing Vince McMahon to let him do this. All right, uh, I, I did some awards. Did you guys do awards for this? I didn't actually. I did not either. We can, okay, though. Okay, well, I'll run down what I had. You can let me know if you okay. disagree. I, I went with Taz Mikey for best match. Yep. Yep. Uh, Guido Stevie for worst. Mm-hmm. Best moment, I went with Total Elimination and then Paul attacking King at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would go with Paul attacking King. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the Total Elimination felt like the first sound, like, salvo. It was good, thing. yeah. Like, right. They just came out right. of nowhere, wiped out the guy. Yep. Uh, st- uh, most 90s, the Manhattan Center, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, stock rising with Paul, Taz, and the BWO. I thought they looked the strongest on the night. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Stock falling with King. I thought he looked like a goof throw most of this <laughs> out of touch. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that poor it worked. Bat- I mean. I enjoyed well. hating him. I'll put it that way. I'll give it yeah. to that yeah. poor bastard that got eaten by the total elimination. Yeah, yes, that yeah, guy. <laughs> Uh, and the based solely on the ECW segments, I, I went eight out of ten. Like on just those, mm-hmm. I think you could have done a little bit better. But I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think Paul drove home that night to Philly feeling pretty good. Uh, Paul's worth an eight on his yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, the rest of Raw was probably worth like a three. So we're going to have to Yeah, we'll find out eventually when Chad and I yeah. get there what the rest of the show looked like. Uh, like I said, I do know you do get the Legion of Doom return, which is a big moment. So that's at least sandwiched in here as right. well on this night. So right. there's a couple of things. Uh, all right. Let's get back to ECW proper. We go to the February 25th, 1997 edition of ECW TV. We're going to have a couple of quick ones here because these are filled with recap of CyberSlam 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, our opening segment is Joey interviewing the Pitbulls with uh, Shane and the Triple Threat attacking them during the opening segment of CyberSlam. We then have Joey in the nest. He says on March 15th, Douglas and Pitbull 1 will battle in an I quit match. Uh, or uh, Pitbull 2. No, Pitbull 1, right? Or was it mm-hmm. Pitbull 1 or 2? Yeah, yeah Pitbull, Pitbull 1. 1. Yep. We then get two full matches from CyberSlam. It's elimination, uh, Eliminators and Sabu. Uh, Eliminators versus Sebo at RVD, and then Taz versus Tracy Smothers. We then hear from Chris Candido, who's backstage, talks about growing up admiring Terry Funk as the greatest ever. He said his grandfather wrestled Funk in Madison Square Garden. All he hears about in ECW is Funk. He puts tape on his head and mocks Funk, warbling about his goals. He says he was NWA champion two years ago. He wants a banquet and award, too. 
he could be a hardcore legend, even if he has to go through a table by Sabu. But you know what? He's got high testosterone levels and a back issue that would burst, so he can't do that. But he could if he wanted to. And ECW didn't call him no gimmicks needed. He could be a hardcore legend, but he doesn't need a gimmick. But he could be one. This usual great <laughs> rambling insanity from, from Candido. Uh, we then wrap up with the first five minutes of the Raven and Lee versus Dreamer Funk match from Cyber Sunday. We stop right before things ramp up. So that's the whole episode. Jenny, any thoughts on uh, the Candido promo? Because that's pretty much the only new content. Uh, he did make me laugh. I will say that shit. When he put the thing on his head, it was mocking <laughs> Terry Funk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Terry Funk. That shit was funny. Uh, so I, I, I he endeared himself a little bit that way. He is very endearing, but Jesus Christ, he needs to lay off the blow. Uh, yeah, Holy yeah. He my was just God, he nonstop. was on. He was on planet Zippy. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> all right so that's that for that episode uh so let's move ahead a week we go to march 4th 1997 we get the tag main event of raven and lee versus dreamer and funk from cyber slam including sandman reuniting with tyler and dreamer and richard shaking hands so we see that whole piece of business we then get a in-depth taz and sabu hype video for barely legal Joey's in the nest. He talks about everything we saw so far tonight and go back to the ring where we get guido versus chetty from cyber slam brian Lee's backstage talks about wanting the money. Says you can ask Richards or Funk. They know he's a bulldozer for hire, and he'll take out anyone if money's on the line. Joey the Nest says Lee is the best bounty hunter in the business. So we get clips of his recent run of brutality, keeping the pit bulls from the franchise and costing Funk his comeback as well. Joey in the Nest says we're documenting what could be the end of Funk's comeback after Lee barraged him with the trash can shots. Funk has a concussion and stitches. So before we get to our big uh, standalone segment here on this episode, any mm. thoughts on the Brian Lee stuff, Matt? Yeah, I, I kind of like this bulldozer for hire stuff. I, I think it's interesting. It's a good mm-hmm. use of him in the triple threat because, I mean, look, the guy is massive. If anybody's going to be a bulldozer, it's going to be him. He's fucking huge. So uh, I, I do like that quite a bit. And I, I kind of like that they're giving him a big rub with this whole Terry Funk stuff. Like if yes. if Brian Lee sticks around, it kind of makes him like a big deal. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting. So uh, we'll see where that goes. But yeah, I think, and I've said it before, I think uh, Brian Lee has been very surprising in how much I have enjoyed him. He's been really good. So uh, yeah, good stuff here. He earned it, I feel like. Uh, he has given mm-hmm. us a lot of great ECW moments and mm-hmm. um, he's highly consistent. So I, I like it. All right, so let's get to our uh, main segment here of the night as Raven is in the locker room. He says, Terry Funk's not mad enough to finish the match, and he beat him down while Tommy cried. Tommy watched his mentor, the hero, the hardcore legend, not have the guts to finish the match because he couldn't because of his bloody ear. Terry Funk comes in. He demands Raven stand up and talk to him. Raven doesn't, but Funk keeps imploring him and begging him. He says, if Raven stands, he'll leave Funk in no... Raven says, if he stands, he'll leave Funk in no condition to see him wrestle anyone else. He wants him alive and miserable so he can watch Raven wrestle somebody else with the title at Barely Legal while his comeback goes down the tubes. Funk says he's tired of Raven and his imbecile Lee, and he has a concussion, but it's not his first rodeo. It won't be his last. Funk demands Raven stand, but Raven refuses. Funk keeps badgering him, says he's coming down there, and he looks Raven in the face. Says Raven said a lot of stuff about him. He calls him a jerk and a fool. He threatens to slap him in the face. He loved his father. He can't help it if Raven's father is an idiot. If you breed two idiot horses, you end up with another damn idiot. That's where Raven is, just like his dad. And Funk can't help that. But Raven better watch what he says about Funk, and he's telling it right to his face. Raven stays silent. Funk tells him to talk about him again if he has the guts to say it to an old man. 
Funk keeps pushing and pushing, but Raven stays silent. Funk calls him a jerk again and says if he gets the opportunity to get him in the ring, he won't be a long-winded old man. He'll give him the shortest story in his life right now, and he'll beat the shit out of him at Barely Legal. And that's that. This is really well done. It was intense. Funk was fired up. Raven knows how to fuck with people by baiting Funk in and, you know, baiting and baiting and trying to get him to snap with Funk getting on the ground and staring at his face and Raven doing his best to hold steady and uh, not give in and give Funk any momentum at all. Uh, and Funk was just great here, too, kind of giving it back to him. So, Jen, this is a really good segment. Oh, boy, was it. Um, Just seeing, like, funk just from the knees down and like his little finger mm-hmm. pointing like it was right in the frame um so like it looks lazy but it ends up being like really effective because he keeps asking raven to get up raven just will not budge he is like the worst 13 year old i have ever seen <laughs> like he's like i'm not standing up i'm not standing up and uh he damn sure don't um but Funk gets right in his damn face. I mean, like, the way that he uses the his body language and his words together in this promo is, like, really good. And I, he says, I'm not storying you, you jerk, you fool. And <laughs> it, it's just, it's just, like, the words that, like, jerk, like, in a wrestling promo, if you call someone a jerk, it's not really that intimidating. But I don't know. There's something charming about the way that Terry Funk does it. And it he got personal. <laughs> you know, He really did get personal on Raven. So it is a hell of a thing to watch. And uh, if you haven't seen this one, I think you should probably watch it. What did you think, Maddie? Yeah, uh, this was really great stuff. Uh, I thought Funk was really great here. Uh, I love Raven's face while Funk is yelling at him. He's just mm-hmm. staring at him like, I oh, don't give so mad. I, I don't give a fuck what you're saying. I'm just going to stare at you. You bet you old bastard. I'm going to mm-hmm. kick your ass. Uh, it's just so great. This is the Terry Funk I wanted to see. And I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's been he's been OK in promos. I mean, he had that weird fucking freckles brown thing. But, <laughs> but I mean, overall, he's been okay but this was like next level stuff for him yeah just amazing stuff and i love that funk just flat out said if i get you in the ring i am going to beat the shit out of you and you're gonna have to do something about it so yeah uh great stuff here we're we're starting to find out maybe where where we could be going at uh barely legal so uh, uh looking forward to that but yeah amazing segment here called it it has to be terry funk now right feels like it yeah We'll see. All right. Joey says it's apparent that Funk's comeback is over and there'll be no barely legal for him. So Joey disagrees. Uh, we'll hear more from him <laughs> next week. And we then get highlights from the Spike Axel and Dudley's Gangsters matches from CyberSlam. Uh, any final thoughts on that episode before we move to our final one of the night? Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. Let's get to our final episode. March 11th, 1997. Joey Styles in the ring with a red-hot crowd welcomes us into the Catholic Youth Center in Scranton, Pennsylvania. This is a pretty infamous building, actually, wrestling history. WF used to run it often, and it's uh, had an interesting moment during the Attitude Era, which I, th- I think it happens in 98. They ended up having like a pretty wild WF show there that I believe got them banned. It was something along those lines. Have we talked about this before? It sounds familiar. Hmm. Now that. Have we been here so far? I... Uh... 
think so. I think I remember you mentioning that at some point. I think we've had this conversation. Yeah. As I was saying it. Anyway, there was an issue, <laughs> and uh, wrestling wasn't as welcome later in, this, in the Catholic Youth Center, but uh, it's a pretty famous building. Uh, so Joey's in the ring, and he brings out the BWO to Big Papa chant, and you think, how, how far we've come? The BWO groupie hits the ring, makes out with Stevie. Stevie says, oh, my God, he's all smiles. Stevie throws his hat in the race of the world title, which gets cheers. He wants that shot at Raven on pay-per-view. He suffered enough and wants to be the new champion on April 14th, the day after the pay-per-view. Meanie calls Raven to press Ming and does this little Scott Hall impression <laughs> to put over Stevie. Raven comes in and yanks Meanie around, calls him fat boy, tells him never to take sides against him or I'll take his woman, shoot his dog and spit on his parents' grave. He always escalates things so much, Raven. I love it. Raven DDTs <laughs> Meanie and Nova stares down uh, Stevie. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> He's meaning end over and then stares down Stevie, rips his shirt off, says he's waited two and a half years to fight and he wants it now. Raven says he hasn't even begun to screw with Stevie and he leaves. So that's a pretty good opening segment. They did a nice job to legitimize Stevie further, put him in the potential mix of the world title and a barely legal. And they continue to establish him as a top guy versus just the putz he's been, Matt. So you watch this right after the Terry Funk segment, after we had just said, you know, oh, it looks like it's going to be Terry Funk and Raven at Barely Legal. And then you watch this and it's like, well, fuck. Now it looks like it's going to be Raven and Stevie Richards. So what are we doing? But uh, yeah, uh, Meanie calling Raven the depressed main was absolutely yeah. fantastic and killed me. Uh, oh, God, the BWO is just so I want a BWO shirt now. Someone point that out to me. <laughs> Uh, it's just so great. They're so good. And Raven is Raven. He just spikes Nova and Meanie. Uh, yeah, a great opening segment to the show, Jenny. Yeah, I've resisted buying a BWO shirt at least 12 times. I <laughs> put myself out of it. But um, yeah, this was really good. And I was going to say <laughs> the same point as you, Matt, about Stevie now trying to be in this picture too and uh i don't know i don't know who i want to see more especially since my new theory is that all this is um fake and planned by (laughs) raven from the beginning so because i was gonna say that raven's lost everything at this point he doesn't have any of his lackeys anymore except i mean i guess he hires brian lee um, but he's not mm-hmm. mind controlling anyone anymore. He, he has nobody in his corner, but he's still all up in everybody's face. And I really like that about him. And it does make me more suspicious. So I will. Yeah, it's a good opening to add that curiosity in for sure. Right. And, and to make Stevie feel viable, you know, like, right. I mean, he's mm-hmm. for two years, he's been kind of a goof. So. Mm-hmm. All right, we got highlights to the matches from Scranton, just just clips. So we get clips from Taz and uh, Dudley, which is just Taz chucking Spike around while the crowd chants for Sabu. Taz sends him flying with a belly-to-belly and beats him with the Taz mission. We then get clips of Tommy Rich and Chris Chetty. Guido's taking notes at ringside. Greti, uh, Chetty gets a near fall and some offense, but Guido slugs him and Rich wins the match, and Guido shares his notes with him after. We get clips of Sabu and RVD versus the Eliminators, another ladder match with them. Ladder gets used as a weapon. We get clips of Dreamer and Sandman versus the Dudleys. We get Tommy Sandman and Beulah's full entrance as the Dudleys stew in the ring. We clip to Tommy saying, this is no Raw match. It's ECW. And then we get clips of it. We get clips of Axel Rotten and Lance Storm as well. Storm wins clean to a pop of the Dudleys attack after. They beat up Storm until the gangsters come out. We get a big weapons brawl with all sorts of plunder, including a video game system. 
Rotten brags up the Dullies as the top team. The Eliminators come out to argue. Storm climbs the top rope and flies into the Dullies with a dropkick that triggers another brawl. Sign Guy attacks the Eliminators after the ring clears and eats total elimination. And then they brawl the Dullies to the back to wrap up. Uh, Jen, any thoughts on that series of clips we got um, highlighting the matches in Scranton? I, th- I thought it was a good way to do it if we're not going to see the matches in full. Yeah, I'll... I will say the Eliminators match where the ladder broke, uh, that looked interesting, and I wish I could see mm-hmm. more of that one. Um, but that's really what sticks out. Um, it all looks good, though. It looked like a hot show. Yeah, like, if you're not going to show, like, any of these full matches, it makes sense to show them in clip form. So you get a taste of what this whole show was like. I think it was smart to show, like, the big spots from everything. Mm -hmm. Even though, apparently, the big spot from Tommy Rich, Chris Chetty, was a punch from the outside to get the win. So, (laughs) but... And just just Tommy Rich and Jeff, he's such a weird fit in ECW right now with the the uh, I like the the FBI stuff. But if you would have told me Tommy Rich was in ECW in 1997, I would have, you know, uh, had to think about it because it's just it feels like such a weird fit, sort of like what we saw with mm-hmm. Ricky Morton earlier in the year. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed this segment quite a bit. So good stuff. All right, Joey's in the nest. He hypes up Hostile City Showdown 97. It's the last arena show before Barely Legal. Shane Douglas and Pitbull 1 will have an I Quit match, and Joey walks us through the history together. We then go to Douglas after it's seen in the locker room. Shane is angry about the decision. He says the fans want to see him get his neck broken, but it's not going to happen. Joey says they're always looking for new cities to go with the ECW. They went to the, Cap- uh, the CYO Center in Trenton, New Jersey. They had to turn fans away, but those lucky fans got to see an incident between Taz and Sabu. We get fan cam footage from Trent as Taz lays Sabu on a table outside the ring. He covers it with a Team Taz sign and then puts Spike through the table to steal Taz's kill. And uh, Sabu comes out, I should say, puts Spike through the table to steal Taz's kill and trophy that he was bragging on. Uh, Man, I thought this was kind of cool way to go about it. Like, you got to think, you got all these house shows to fill. You want to give a taste to Sabu and Taz to keep the fans interested. You can't have them touch. This is a cool way to go about it. Yeah, it is a good way to go about it, but... I, I can't help but think, and I think I said this uh, on the last episode or the one before, that it, it compared to what uh, these guys have done in the past to each other with the mind games and all that, it still kind of feels to me like this feud is kind of limping to the finish line. Oh, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Right. And, I mean, it's good that they're doing stuff on house shows. Like, I think that's cool. And I, I guess they have to do something to fill time. But it all it all goes back to the thing where that we've said where – it this we're at a point here where the pay-per-view should have already happened <laughs> and now they're just trying to kind of find ways to uh, fill time with this feud because the story's already been told we know everything mm-hmm. about each other so it's good that they're using house shows this way but uh, and it was a good segment and poor spike dudley got uh, <laughs> destroyed with that table mm. but but it, it just feels overall to me like uh, i don't know it, it's it, the feud is ending with a whimper than like a bang but we'll see where it goes from here jenny yeah i think like when we <clears throat> first started talking about it i was like you know there's an opportunity here in this you know 6 weeks or whatever you're doing to try to do some cool stuff and you know, outside of the raw, which just being on raw, I mean, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I don't know that they've used this time the best, but um, it, it's not, it's not bad. It's just repetitive, you know, just from the nature of what we're doing. So, um, I like seeing people go through tables. So, can't be mad at that either. 
Joel Gertner's outside with a special live report from the hood with money taped to his forehead. He said he often walks through seedy neighborhoods like this to see if anyone's mad enough to take it, but it won't ever happen because he's hooking up with a team so extreme they go at it with the gangsters. And he brings out Devon and Bubba Ray and sign guy Dudley. It looks like Gertner's got a new team to work with. Bubba talks about their classic hold hole for match with the uh, gangsters. Devon says testify and some other preacher stuff. Bubba talks properly about dealing with the gangsters who they beat once and they have more important things on their mind than a rematch like winning the tag titles. So uh, this is a pretty good little state of the union for the Dudleys, Jenny. Yeah, not bad for them. Um, we don't really get to, we haven't really heard from them um, directly right. in a bit. So yeah, it was good to see them, Matt. Uh, I love uh, Bubba saying that the match with the gangsters was the best hold for hold match they've been in. That match with <laughs> 85,000 weapon shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real catches catch. It was just like Gotch Hacking Schmidt. I've always said that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, it, it still kind of feels like they're trying to do the public enemy thing with the Dudleys. We'll, you right. know, we'll see if that if that sticks. But I, I thought this one was actually pretty good. So. All right. Let's get to our Pulp Fiction segment. The elevator is in their sweet ECW windbreakers walking through the <laughs> arena. He says, uh, <clears throat> you know, to Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff, this building means nothing. It's just a bingo hall. But to them, it's home. And you might have to wrestling the concert shit on. They're the best. And on 315, the Dudleys are coming to their home to try and take their belts. But they'll suffer the same fate as everybody else. We get Tommy Rich wrapping a promo. He tells Guido uh, to get his car. He wants the best Sicilian food, Domino's. Douglas to Francine telling Gary to just quit. The Pitbulls issue a warning to Shane for revenge. RVD mocks Taz's busted eyes to nose, throat, shoulder. It says it's Taz's own fault, not his. Maybe blame a promoter for putting a fragile man like Taz in the ring with a guy like RVD. Brian Lee talks about coming up respecting Terry Funk, but it'll be his pleasure to end his career because someone showed him the money. We get a clip of Funk berating Raven in the locker room. Dreamer backstage says it'll be an honor to be in Funk's corner and being passed the torch of being hardcore. Funk proved he could beat Raven, and Lee took a trash can and smashed it in the air, and for 20 years, Funk has dreamed of getting the title back, and now his dream is dead, and it burns a hole in his heart that he couldn't save him. So on April 13th, he assures Raven that he'll do everything in his power to end his world. Uh, Jenny, any thoughts on this Pulp Fiction? Um, it was good. Like, <clears throat> uh, Tommy Rich is on another planet. Um, <laughs> uh, Shane and Francine were pretty toned down usually they have a lot more to say so that was a little surprising but um them and the pitbulls also been drug out you know maybe a little shade too far um rvd not a great promo um but luckily tommy dreamer is yeah shane has been kind of an afterthought this group of episodes it's Mm -hmm. kind of it's kind of surprising and i think to your point jenny i think it has to do with the fact that the pitbulls feud has just gone on for too long like uh, i don't know i i kind of hope that the i quit match is the end of that but you also have barely legal coming so i i would think that there's they're doing something with shane and the pitbulls as the final be all end all blow off so i I would imagine that's where we're going but yeah as far as the pitbull seg uh the uh Pulp Fiction segment. I thought it was not the best. I thought the best part of it was uh, the Eliminators uh, inside the uh, empty ECW arena. I I just thought that was a cool visual with them wearing the fucking windbreakers. Good God. But yeah, uh, not the best Pulp Fiction segment, but I I feel like Pulp Fiction is usually pretty good overall. Like it has a baseline of being at least decent enough. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, fairly basic Pulp Fiction here. 
All right, Joey's in the nest. He sets up our main event, which is Luis Piccoli versus Chris Candido. Pretty good match on paper. The rest of the triple threads out with Candido's. We ease into things with some lockups and some breaks. Louis works the arm. We get some more breaks and resets. Kind of a slow start. Candido goes to the eye, slugs away, but Louis comes back with a hip toss into a bandita for two. After a break, Candido's cranking a tight headlock. Louis busts free, but see, uh, see, Candido smacks him with the enziguri to cut him back down. Louis comes slugging back and both land shots and collapse and then come up with a double clothesline. Louis snaps off a spine buster, starts to rally with the flurry of strikes. He goes up top when Francine comes up and shakes the ropes and crotches him. Candido follows up and does a tries a superplex, but Louis blocks and drops him to the mat. And he comes off with a sunset flip for two, leading to a quick stretch of roll throughs and near falls for Louis German for two. Louis keeps getting close on covers, but Candido stays alive. We get a quick sleeper counter by both into a Candido low blow and punches. Candido puts Louis on top and takes him down with a Huracarana for two. Louis tries the DVD, but Candido slips free and gets a cross body, but Louis flows through for two. Louis drops his head on a whip. Candido drops to an inside cradle and picks up the quality win. Candido boxes to Louis, tries to fight off the whole triple threat, but he gets taken out by a primetime slam. The Pitbulls come in and clean house to make the save, and he got Pitbull one, cranking a full Nelson on Shane and refusing to let go, which looked great. Shane looked completely dead. Uh, and scared and, and did a nice job putting over the full Nelson. That's a pretty good match. Uh, it got cooking late. Candido winning pure and clean. Tough night for Louis. He seems to have stalled a bit. Good counters and quick pin covers all through this. Shows an even match and just how skilled both guys are, having been buoyed by the upper mid card uh, pretty well. So I went two and three quarters, Matt. That was a fine little match. Uh, Spicoli definitely feels like he's lost a lot of momentum, though. Yeah, Spicoli has been interesting to watch over these past few episodes. I mean, he came in so hot with that Sabu mm-hmm. match, and really, since then, it's just been kind of a downward trend for him, and now he's losing a Candido here. I mean, it's it's the main event of an episode of Weekly TV, so I, I guess it's not that big of a fall, but still, I don't know. When you when you come in and you wrestle Sabu and have a banger, <laughs> anything you know below yeah. that is kind of disappointing, but... I thought this was a pretty good match. It was uh, definitely a house show match in its pacing. It started slow, but then it really got going by the second half. Uh, I thought the post match was good. I, it was nice to see Shane actually take a shit kicking for once. Mm-hmm. Yes. He, it was good to see him uh, finally uh, get his ass beat by the pit bulls for once. So that was good. But uh, yeah, the match was, uh, it was fairly standard stuff here. So I went two and a half on it, Jenny. I am at two and a half as well. Um, at what point is Shane going to get a haircut? Because um, his hair looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, too out of control for you. I don't know what he's doing with it. Look, I don't know. It's not great. Um, but the match was good. I like I like Louie. And Candido, like I said, is fun to watch in the ring. So um, the finish was a little something. Because it kind of didn't look like his shoulders were down, I think. Or it was convoluted, some sort of roll-up small package bullshit, but it looked weird. But um, I liked having the triple threat guys around the ringside. And um, hopefully Louie gets another shot at something because he's good. And I'd like to see him hang around for a little bit. Two and a half. All right. So... Yes. So that'll do it uh, for this uh, episode of TV as well. So let's get to our awards to wrap things up. Best match, uh, obviously, is our only match. (laughs) That was Spicoli and Kenny. Yep. Mm -hmm. Best moment, I want the BWO interview. I thought they did a good job establishing Stevie through that. 
Yep, that's what I went with. Yep, same here. All right, most 90s, I went with the whole show format that we had tonight. This felt yeah. very 90s. <laughs> yep. uh, also, our, our match was the Battle of the Body Donnas with uh, Luis Piccoli was the, the Body Don in training with uh, Rad Radford. My with Skip, God, I, Skip, did, I yeah. didn't even think of that. My yes. God. The Battle of the Body Donnas here on ECW TV. <laughs> uh, Stock Rising with BWO, FBI, the Dudleys, and Candido. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else to add. All right, and stock falling on with Sign Guy Dudley and Spicoli, sadly. It just yeah. feels like he's really just gone yeah. off the cliff like we were talking about. I hate it, but yes. Uh, Tommy Rich for his marble mouth promo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final score. This is a pretty bland episode. Um, you know, we, we obviously have seen some of the stuff from CyberSlam, but this was some new content from Scranton, and it felt like a real filler episode, just trying to bridge between the CyberSlam stuff and then the next big show at the arena, which was coming up. So, I went 5 out of 10. It was, again, an easy watch. It's still ECW, but we could have skipped this one and not really missed much. Yeah, I'm going to do the 4.5 out of 10. Yeah, I, I went 5 on it. Uh, not much here. The definition of a standard episode of TV here. All right. So that's it. Uh, four weeks in the book of ECW TV, including that Raw, which was obviously the highlight, I think, of this batch for us. Mm-hmm. We now have four weeks of TV before us, uh, b- between us and Barely Legal. So on our next episode, we'll cover the next four weeks of television. And then a month from tonight, we will be coming at you live with Barely Legal 1997, which we're excited about to finally get to, to wrap up the summer of Extreme here on the North-South Connection. Uh, North-South Connection has tons of great content each and every day. Evergreen, uh, there's some fresh content talking current wrestling as well. And I think there's a show for everyone on there. It's stuff I'm super proud of. Everyone hits the mark. Everyone's thorough. It's a lot of really deep nerd level project type stuff, lists, and uh, really good discussions. And I just think, again, it's content we're proud to create. So we try to keep it pretty tight. Not a lot of fluff, just in and out and uh, hit our points and move along. So. Share us, review us, rate us. We really appreciate it. Uh, all the time you spend with us, providing feedback as well. Uh, it means a lot to all of us. Matt, anything you want to plug? You can find me over on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. I'm usually on every other episode of Highway to the Impact Zone, where we are currently going through TNA Wrestling in 2005, so check that out. Uh, you can find me on every episode of YouTube Roulette, where we uh, we pick a random assortment of matches from YouTube and live watch them, and that's that's a ton of fun to do. So give that a listen if you have not done so. And you can find me on Twitter at msusa1991. The definition of fluff is uh, Wednesdays on the North South Connection. The Jenny position, uh, my shows, Freak Out Driving. You heard about Pluto, Bianca's first time. The Journey Through Infinity. Um, all have current episodes probably now. So uh, if you want some more wrestling content, it's at Place to Be Wrestling Feed with PCB NXT and Talkin' WCW. And everything is on Twitter at Jenny Position. All right. Everyone stay extreme. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Take care. Whatever Monday comes, you can find me crying all of the time.